back to Combat Learjet's podcast. I know it's been a while. We were looking back today. I think my first podcast was like two years ago, and we did a handful of them, uh, Derek and I, together, and then we just kind of took a break from it. So uh, I get asked a lot when I'm going to start back on it, and uh, I'm glad we're finally going again. So uh, I'm here with uh, Derek, my co-host, and we have a very special guest today. We have a flight doc with the... uh, was with the uh, Blue Angels, uh, Juan Guerrera, and uh, we're excited to have you here today, Juan. We, we want to f- find out about what you've done, your career path, and then we're looking forward to maybe asking some questions. Uh, I get asked a lot about medical questions, about going in, becoming uh, a pilot in the Navy, or just becoming a SEAL. Lots of those kind of questions uh, are sent my way, so I'm hoping that we can an- answer some of those today. So welcome, Juan. We're glad to have you. Yeah, thanks, Steve and Derek. Uh, thanks for having me on your podcast. Uh, it's really exciting uh, and uh, looking forward to getting some good information out there for all the listeners. Fantastic, yeah. So I just ask you, just just tell us who you are. kind of, I'll probably call you Doc throughout here if, uh, if that's okay. That's uh, As a flight doc, that's my go-to. And uh, just tell us uh, about your story and uh, you know what brought you to this point right now. Yeah, that's fine. I think uh, most people just uh, end up yelling, hey, you, and I, I end up turning my head. So <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, I am uh, a flight surgeon, obviously, but uh, I'm currently with Naval Aviation Schools Command. So I've been in the Navy for a uh, couple years now, it feels like, uh, since uh, 2007. And uh, right now, my job is taking care of the uh, young students who are starting their naval aviation careers uh, in Pensacola. So between myself and my partner uh, Todd Nani, we are the two flight surgeons who, if you're if you're listening and heading to Pensacola, you're going to run into us for sure. Um, before that, I was with the Blue Angels, so that was uh, how I met you, Steve, or started to interact with you, and uh, was lucky enough to get selected as the uh, 23rd Blue Angels flight surgeon. Uh, for the 2016 through uh, 2018 show seasons. But uh, I've since turned that over to a great guy named Aaron, and he's uh, actually, they're, they're on the West Coast right now doing awesome things, getting ready for some air shows uh, uh, before they head back uh, to Pensacola. Fantastic, yeah. I know uh, I know that's got to be tough, and you can talk about that. Uh, how competitive is that uh, to become the, the flight doc uh, for the Blue Angels? Well, you know, it's it's funny because I don't think you ever really uh, realize what you're getting into until you're kind of there. And uh, I was lucky enough to meet a whole bunch of great flight surgeons along the way and my pathway uh, to the Blue Angels. And it's really neat the whole the whole application process. I'm I'm sure you could probably spend a whole a whole couple hours talking about the whole way uh, the team selects their there are new members, but but the short answer is that uh, you you basically go to a couple shows, um, kind of rush the team and kind of meet the folks, meet the guys and gals on the team, uh, try and see if if you uh, mesh well in social interactions, uh, and and if if they like what they see and if you're uh, if you have some good street cred or a good reputation amongst your peers in the in the fleet. Uh, they may call you down for a finalist interview in Pensacola. And uh, usually for the flight surgeons, they take about three finalists and, you know, they grill you with an interview and 
uh, some more social functions and uh, basically pick through your, your application and ask you a bunch of tough questions. And then uh, the team basically sits in a room and locks themselves locks themselves in a room for a good 12 to 24 hours and, and basically makes the hard choices. And luckily, uh, I, I came out uh, as the person who was selected, but that does not mean uh, that I'm any better than anybody else. I just happen to be uh, lucky enough to get selected. Well, that's awesome. You're, you're a humble guy. And I, I, I know that's the same, I think, for the team members, if, if I'm not mistaken, that it's maybe not necessarily the very best pilot out there in the world, but it's a pilot that is a great pilot, obviously, to do what they do, but is also somebody that they can be around each other and get along with over time. So, Well, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, I think I could probably speak for all of my buddies that were on the team during my tenure that it's more important to pick someone who you're willing to spend 300 days out of the year on the road with than maybe the guy who is, you know, the absolute best uh, stick and rudder skill. And that goes for the doc too, you know, yeah. uh, maybe the smartest, smartest brain out there may not be the guy who fits in and can, can function the best uh, in that environment. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great info. And I'm sure that is the case. Well, I guess I just, I, I saw this as one of the questions. I thought it'd be a good place to start. What, what is the purpose of the flight doc? Uh, on the Blue Angels team? I mean, what would be your job? What what did you actually do in that position? Well, that's a great, that's a great question. You'd be surprised uh, how often I get that question that people say, you're, you're a flight what? Uh, yeah. A surgeon? Oh, oh, so you do surgery in the air. And uh, <laughs> that is uh, yeah. not really true. Uh, it's kind of a misnomer. Uh, basically, what flight surgeons do is we take care of aviation units in the Navy. And, and Marine Corps. So there are no Marine Corps, uh, you know, doctors, uh, all the doctors for the Marines come from the Navy. So uh, Naval flight surgeons take care of uh, Navy and Marine Corps aviation squadrons. Okay. And so basically the, the purpose of, of the flight surgeon is to manage, you know, the specific requirements that the Navy puts on our Naval aviators and kind of ensure that they uh, stay safe while they're performing their duties. You know, when I was with Carrier Air Wing 8 uh, on the George H.W. Bush and we deployed, you know, one of, one of our big jobs is to do medevac. So we would medevac injured sailors from the aircraft carrier and provide en route care to make sure they arrived at a hospital safely uh, to get, you know, to get to definitive care. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I know, uh, and I'm assuming it's the same for the, for the Navy, but I know on the Air Force side that flight surgeons or flight docs as we call them were the, the whole intent was that they flew with us. They had to log so many hours a month uh, to get their flight paid. But the, the intention behind that was that they understood what pilots were going through if they actually flew with us and experienced the exact same things we, we did. And that way they could relate a little bit better to some of the things that aviators go through. Yeah. We're, we're lucky in the Navy that, uh, and that's part of the reason why I wanted to be a naval flight surgeon is that the Navy really buys into that philosophy. So they put us through API in the first part of primary uh, with the with the pilots, so that we can really develop that real close relationship. You know, they see us in class next to them taking the same tests uh, that they're taking, and then obviously we we branch off before we get too far down the pathway. But uh, that close relationship has gone back 
for decades. You know, when when naval aviation was first starting in in the you know World War One time, you have to understand that uh, we were asking people to do things with their bodies. You know, in the aviation environment that had never been done before. We we had no idea what was going to happen when we put somebody up to 40,000 feet. And physicians were a big part of trying to develop uh, standards for, hey, who's going to make a good pilot? And also what things uh, about the human body or, or problems with the human body can be exacerbated by the uh, you know, extreme conditions that aviation puts our, our pilots in? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. I Just as I'm sitting here listening to you on that, I know the Blue Angels, and I'm assuming you as well, did not wear G-suits while you're performing or while they were performing. And no, I, no, they don't. And that is um, that is actually uh, one of the big differences that you'll find between the, the Blue Angels and kind of a, a standard or typical fleet squadron. Uh, circling back, I think I, I, I didn't fully answer your question about what the Blue Angels flight surgeon does. So I'll take mm-hmm. a second to sure. talk about that. Yeah. The Blue Angels flight surgeon is a very unique flight surgeon role. And I think I briefly alluded to the fact that I didn't know what I was getting into. So uh, unlike a typical fleet uh, flight surgeon where I would have eight squadrons that I take care of, the Navy really wanted one flight surgeon to take care of the Blue Angels. And, and there are about 150 pe- people on the team at any given time, uh, you know, a- approximately 17 officers and the rest are enlisted maintainers. But besides being the primary care doctor for, for those 150 people, uh, you're, you're also a ground-based safety observer, which was something I'd never really done before. So you're kind of the uh, eyes on the ground uh, and I've got the headset on. So you'd see me find me at the comm cart where we kind of control the airspace and, and I'd have my finger on the, on the, uh, microphone button to talk with the pilots and hopefully prevent an unsafe situation from developing uh, in some of the maneuvers. And, and I only had to do that a couple of times. So I was lucky that, uh, you know, we didn't have any, uh, you know, problems during my tenure on the team. But aside from that, uh, we also manage a, a GTIP protocol, which is the G tolerance improvement program. And we'll get into more detail about that. But the, the final part is doing all the grading for the for the demonstration, so the flight surgeon kind of provides critiques for all the pilots uh, from the ground. So we have a little grade sheet, and each maneuver is graded. We take that back to the debrief and uh, basically go around the room and make comments on on the maneuvers and try and make it better and safer. Really? Wow! I didn't I didn't realize you had that role as well. Yeah, you know, a, a lot of people don't realize uh, how many different people it takes to provide that beautiful product and and that's what it's all about um you know everyone's behind the scenes trying to uh make things flow as smoothly as possible uh so that the finished product is safe and beautiful for everyone who's watching yeah well and i've seen footage uh different shows that show the the debriefs and they're not just you know a lot of times we debrief after flight anybody got anything nope it's all good and we're out the door but i the footage I had seen on those debriefs, it's very detailed and everything was uh, corrected back to 100%. And it, yeah, the, the debriefs are um, very detailed, I guess is a good way to put it. I would say we, on average, we debrief two minutes for every minute we fly. Hmm. So there's that much to talk about in terms of 
individual things uh, a particular pilot may have done and noticed uh, or something that we notice as we're watching the video replay. So we video each flight, uh, you know, from the ground, from, uh, from Comcart, and we uh, use that video to debrief uh, the whole demonstration to make sure that, uh, again, things are safe and aesthetically pleasing. Well, it's definitely that. I, I could tell you just from, for those of us just out there watching, it really shocks me every time I see it, just how close they get and, and the maneuvers they perform. They really are superstars. Yeah, well, and I think the important thing to remember is how much work it takes on the part of those pilots uh, flying the jets. It is a, well, for for kind of the layperson, I feel like there's a perception that eh, they just go out and kind of throw some maneuvers together, but it is one 45 minute choreographed uh, demonstration that is one big long uh, train, for lack of a better term, that that really uh, takes maximum concentration for that whole 45 minutes. And that's that repetition, you know, practice over and over and over again is what, what yeah. makes them so good at it. Derek and I had, when we were out there at the air show, we had the opportunity to listen in to the uh, intercom, uh, Steph Strickland, uh, allowed us to get a little behind the scenes access and it was phenomenal to uh to be able to just hear them talking through the maneuvers and that real slow methodical voice uh, it was pretty neat to hear yep and that's uh uh nice that you got to say hi to steph there she yeah. uh definitely is awesome and you know, being able to listen really gives you a window into what's going on in everybody's minds because people get so attuned to the inflections of the voice. You can tell when somebody's not happy with where they are or they're having a bad day just by little changes, uh, subtle changes in the in the cadence. Or maybe, you know, you can tell if boss wants a little more pull just by how emphatically he, he makes that call. Mm. Uh, and and I, I would be lying if I told you I didn't have a scanner and I'm and listening in here in Pensacola uh, to my buddies as they're still flying because I like to hear what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. It's a fantastic team, and that was uh, an incredible honor that you were a part of that. And we, we love that behind it. We could probably do two podcasts just on the behind the scenes mm -hmm. uh, type things that are. That are it, was, going on. it was really interesting. How large is the the entire road crew? How many people are, are with the team when you're on uh, during the during the air show season? Yeah. So before Fat Albert retired, um, you know the the whole road show was kind of based on what you could fit in a C-130. So uh, we had special pallets that carried all the equipment, and they went in the center of the C-130, and then everybody kind of filled the uh, outsides of the the jump seats on the outsides of the C-130. So we fit about usually 45 people uh, on the road. And that's essentially what it takes, uh, not including the the jets and the pilots that are in the jets to to kind of make, make the demo happen. And then the rest are uh, here in Pensacola doing maintenance on jets and getting things ready for, for when the team gets back from the road. Yeah. And their season basically lasts from... You, you, what do you kick off? When is when's your first show and your last show typically? Yep, first shows uh, usually at the end of March in El Centro, and then it's pretty much every weekend uh, until the beginning of November, which is our homecoming show here in in uh, Pensacola. And then when they finish that November show, are they immediately beginning the process to pick next year's team? 
Well, that that's actually going on the whole the whole time. So okay. the the applicant season kind of goes from from the start of the show season in March until about June, and that's when people you'll will have applicants coming in and coming to shows, and then usually we announce the finalists uh, in June, and then uh, they come down uh, usually from <clears throat> Pensacola Beach air show that week is when we conduct all the finalist interviews and then the final decision is made shortly thereafter and usually by, by uh, the end of july the the next year's team is announced wow okay so they and that's during that time i did notice that when we were out there in florida that there were uh members that were if you will rushing the team and uh, they were kind of watching them as as they were you know as we were doing some of the uh, events Yep, and they better have been uh, nicely dressed because uh, we we like to have our applicants uh, nicely dressed for for all of those functions. Yeah, it, it's always been amazing to me, and I, I've seen it with all the teams. Just the professionalism everywhere you go, everything you do, not only in the flying that that the public sees, but the behind the scenes. I mean, everybody shows up together. There's just there's just professionalism from start to finish, and it, it's great to see it. Well, and you know. I'm I'm not on the team anymore, but I will think I will always carry some of that uh, professionalism with me. I hope, at least I hope I do. Yeah. Uh, it's something that uh, there's a lot of pride in trying to make sure that you carry on the the good traditions of the past, and you you, don't, you never want to look bad. Not only for the, the the public, obviously, but even for just the the guys who went before you. Uh, you know, you feel like you have that torch to to carry on. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, switching gears here uh, just a little bit, Doc, I, I did have a question about, you know, how do you become, I, somebody asked a question, I'm interested in becoming a uh, flight surgeon in the military. Uh, do you mind touching on that just a little bit on kind of how that works and how the military uh, picks up some of the flight surgeons? Sure. And this might be a great time to give my general disclaimer. Uh, so I have to say that this is not endorsed by the Navy or uh, you know, the Department of Defense. I'm not here as some official spokesman. I'm just a guy who happens to be a flight surgeon. Uh, so please don't, you know, take whatever we were talking about today as gospel, you know, yes. requirements change. Uh, and, and I'm certainly not the end all be all. There's a whole group of very amazing professionals who uh, are kind of the, the final say in what, what gets accepted in terms of aviation standards. Yeah, and I, I want to piggyback on that. Thanks for saying that. I meant to say that at the beginning. But the other thing we want to say, too, is if we talk about medical issues that may or may not be accepted, uh, we want everybody to know that that, that is not – you cannot go, well, I heard on a podcast that I can, exactly. I can do this. Uh, we're, we're just – we're trying to give some information out the best we can, the, the most relevant we have. But like you said, everything changes on a regular basis. And uh, we're not the final authority on any of that. So I appreciate you saying that, Doc. Yeah, no problem. Um, my, my path to flight surgery uh, is, you know, I think pretty, pretty standard. Uh, people will go to med school. And uh, if you've signed up to join the military right out of med school, you'll do an internship. So that's your first year out of medical school at, at one of the major military uh, medical centers. So for me, it was at Walter Reed and Bethesda. And I did a transitional internship, which means I kind of did a little bit of everything. Um, it was kind of a grab bag of uh, smattering of different uh, specialties. So I got a very broad-based uh, background. And that's, you know, your intern year is when you get licensed. So 
you're a fully licensed physician, you're, you have an unrestricted medical license, and then, then if you want, you apply for flight surgery, and they send you down to Pensacola, and it's about a one-year program where you go over uh, a lot of aviation-specific uh, medicine, and then also how we manage aviators in the military, and then they send you through uh, API with uh, some of the student naval aviators and you go and you do the first part of primary with the T6 and it may go up to Whiting field and uh, practice or train with the HTs on some helicopters there to get some rotary wing experience. So you get, what, how many hours would you say of flight time you probably ended up with just going through your training? Oh, probably maybe 25 hours between uh, the T6 and the TH57 uh, down here in the Pensacola area. Yeah. And then uh, after that, uh, it just depends on uh, what billets are available. So just like anything, uh, we get to select amongst your class. And for me, it was uh, to a carrier air wing because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go on an aircraft carrier and, you know, get catapulted off, off the front end in a pointy nose jet. Yep. I was lucky enough to do that and uh, haven't looked back since. That's awesome. That's awesome. How long have you been in? Currently. So, so I joined uh, in 07 to go to the military medical school. Mm -hmm. So I uh, graduated in 2011 and was a flight surgeon as of 2013. So I've been doing the flight surgery thing for oh, a good six years now. Okay, that's great. Now, what, what, uh, what commitment did you have uh, coming in as a uh, flight surgeon? Well, for the USIS program, which is the Uniformed Services University, that's the military's medical school. Uh, and, and you serve alongside or you train alongside Army, Air Force, Public Health Service, and Navy doctors. So uh, it's, it's a really unique program up there in Bethesda. But that program, because you're basically a commissioned officer for the four years of medical school, you owe seven years afterwards. Okay. Okay. So that that's... Uh... That's what I was looking at, just to see how long you you're going to get back to them. So, and and I'm I'm complete with my payback, so I, I could have gotten out uh, uh, over the summer, but mm -hmm. uh, chose chose to stay in, and I uh, think I might stay in for a little bit longer. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, we, I know we had, uh, you know, I, I did Air Force for ten, and then I did Guard for seventeen, and we had a lot of a lot of flight docs that when they did decide to get out and get their own practice or whatever they decided to do. They all, they mostly join the guard to continue their military service. So, yeah. Well, I have to, I have to confess, I was out there at NAS Fallon and we were uh, doing some support for the uh, filming of Top Gun 2. And uh, it was kind of then that I said, I don't know if I'm ready to get out. Cause I was right at, I was kind of wavering back and forth between getting out and staying in and uh, just turns out, I don't think I'm ready to hang it up just yet. No, I hear you. That's awesome. So I, I have to ask you, since you said that, I don't know what you could say, but anytime I post or say anything about Top Gun, it just goes crazy. Do you have any, anything you can tell us about Top Gun that uh, you could share? I'm putting well, you on the spot here. Sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. There's very little uh, that we can say publicly until the movie comes out, but I will say that uh, most if not all of the flying is real and it's done by real Navy pilots uh, and it's, it's absolutely spectacular. So th there's very little uh, computer graphics uh, that are used. It's all, is, it's all real awesome. jets. Yeah. Especially in today's world where it's, it's really hard to find any action movies in, in the same league with Top Gun or anything similar that doesn't heavily rely on CGI just because it's so much easier and so much cheaper than 
going through the process and the steps of getting actual airplanes out there. I was really excited when I saw the trailer and I saw there was little to no CGI in it. Yeah. That's when I was excited. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Looks I, great. I, I can't wait. I uh, can't wait for the movie to come out and I'm sure uh, we'll have lots of, lots of fun behind the scenes stuff uh, once it comes out. Yep. I will ask you, I don't know if you probably can't say, is there a F-14 in there? I'd be remiss if I didn't ask that question. Yeah, I can't. Uh, <laughs> they, they, don't, they, don't, they don't tell me any of that stuff. I'm just... I'm just uh, I know. I'm sorry, man. So I, I asked for all the people going, man, why did you ask if there's an F-14 in there? So yeah, that's great. Well, I tell you what, that's, uh, that's pretty close to our first half. How about we take a quick break? And then we'll come back if that's okay with uh, with you, Doc. And then we'll start answering some of the questions that uh, that we know are out there. And uh, sounds great. Looking forward uh, to it. And then we'll just uh, we'll try to, if nothing else, give an overview of what may or may not uh, be allowed. And you you might have some information that we don't know that's that has changed that some people don't know out there. So anyway, uh, I appreciate it, uh, and uh, we'll be back with you here in just a little bit, Doc. So thanks a lot.